Um, so yeah, dear Getzing, um, okay, I'm from the Val, and I work now as an internal auditor. So hello, everyone. Okay, great. Um, then the last person. Hi, Okay. Yes, sorry. Um, I'm on the road, but my name is Molokhadi, so I can't turn on my video. I'll turn it when I get home. My name is Molokhadi. Um, I'm living in Johannesburg, and I work as a forensic investigator. Okay, great. Great, great, great. So I think we can all admit we have diversity of people here, people in Cape Town, people in Laval, people in Johannesburg. So I think that makes at least the conversation might quite exciting, at least. Um, I think... All of you have got the scope of what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be discussing stuff such as GBV. We're going to be discussing consent and also just understanding the gender dynamics when it comes to the household of an African family and also in the workspace. Um, let me just mute that. Sorry. Okay, great. Um, so first of all, I just want to, the rules are how we're going to proceed with this. Since we're going to have more people joining us, um, I doubt it's going to be most of them since most of them have technical issues. Um, first of all, since we're going to be many, I advise, I don't know if you, most of you are aware of Zoom, there's a hand icon which allows you to raise your hand uh, so that we avoid clashing when we're speaking. Um, I'm going to be obviously starting the conversation unless some of you also have questions, as I'll be asking each of you to answer or engage in the conversation. Um, just raise your hand if you have any rebuttals, if you want to participate in a particular question, and so forth. Uh, any questions so far? Uh, just want to make sure we get the crowns quite clear first. Um, Question, what's that hand icon exactly? Um, I'm not sure if you're using your phone or a laptop. Laptop. Okay. Um, on my side, it should appear on your right-hand side or at the bottom. So at the bottom, there's where it says reactions. By reactions? Yes. Can you see that? Cool, got it. Okay, great. I think we can proceed then. Um, so I think where we can start off, I'm not sure most of you are aware we had a conversation last week. Um, we had about 10 people participating in the conversation. It was about two hours long. And we're just discussing stuff such as GBV, understanding issues of consent. And this week, um, we wanted to make sure at least we both have two sides to the story. We have both men and women. I see at least we have about four women here and also about four or five guys here. Uh, so at least should have a neutral conversation here. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask each of you different questions, but I think through each of the questions, as we go through the topics, at least you can engage us, give us your opinions. And then as we proceed from there, at least we can have more diversity in thought and opinions. Um, but maybe let me start with uh, Tabang. Um, so first of all, as you are aware, with the, what is your definition of consent? And in your view, how do you exercise consent as a man? Consent, my definition. Yeah, what is your view? What uh, is your definition of consent, and how would you exercise going about getting consent? Uh, like for me, like how I would define it is not just uh, getting a, like a go ahead or yes from like the lady. Like it can also be a form of manipulating the situation, uh, trying to ensure that. Uh, she does what you want her to do, you know, like it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to wait for her to say no or yes. Yeah. Like, uh, the minute, can you guys hear me? I think Murakadi cannot hear me. Okay. Yeah, like it's a thing, like it, 
you don't have to wait until you get the yes or a no. Like if you see that she is uncomfortable, maybe she doesn't want to speak out right that hey, dude, I'm uncomfortable. Like the minute you yourself feel like, hey, I don't think this person is comfortable. So that's when like you should back off. Like you shouldn't necessarily wait for her to say no uh, before you back off, you know. And for me, like uh, how excited, uh, like I said, like if uh, the situation is not, uh, like I'm not comfortable with what's happening and I feel that the person is uncomfortable, like for me, that's left consent. So you just stop the situation and both parties go home if needed. And yeah. So it's all about reading the, the person that you are with. So that's uh, how I would define it. And yeah, should I choose an expert to define it or how does this, how does this work? You're on mute, dude. I can hear you. Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll ask the next person who, unless someone raises their hand. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so I've K, uh, K has raised his hand, so he's yeah. going to obviously participate. So just know that you can raise your hand if you want to answer the question, or also I have to nominate someone. Uh, Kay, you can proceed. Cool. Uh, just check on. I just found out. Uh, <clears throat> uh, in terms of consent, um, would this also be related directly to what we discussed um, uh, last week? Because obviously, if I had to respond, um, there'll be more to what I'd have to say. Um, define it in any way that you feel comfortable. Okay, cool. So consent is going to be defined uh, differently as a, as a state, okay, not as a statement, an agreement between two people on a mutual thing when i say mutual thing because you say yes you know someone can say yes to something else but the yes has to be for the same thing or the same topic or the specific issue you know that's what consent is so if consent is you're going to go out we both have to say yes to that you know and how how exercise consent is simply by communicating with the person and seeing what the response is and in terms of consent to the physical side of it, it really has to be something where the women would rather initiate it or indicate that she's okay with whatever's going to happen moving forward. Other than that, consent on my side is to be something that I have to do whereby I ask the person if they're okay with it or not. Things as simple as that. Cool. Let me have one of the ladies also participate in this conversation. Let me ask Lerat, maybe she can also chip in. What is your view on consent? And how do you think a man or even a woman should go about getting consent? Um, am I audible? Uh, yes. Um, I think, okay, there's two things that I've heard and I'm not trying to bash anybody. So number one, Tabang, I, I agree with what you're saying with regards to consent, but there's the part where you said you need to sort of read the room or... Um, get the feel um, I, I don't agree with that because in certain instances I think not every woman is as vocal as every man would wish her to be you know so number one if she won't up, upright say to you I'm uncomfortable um, her body language would therefore be the one showing you but if she says to you oh no it's okay but in a very subtle manner it doesn't necessarily mean that she is okay. So I think there should be um, different types of consent um, that we look into. So it doesn't mean that she verbally agrees that you ignore her body language cues. 
Um, so you need to look at everything in, I, I want to use the word in collaboration. I don't think that's the correct word, but yes. Um, you need to look at everything in its uniformity, um, not just the one aspect, not just she said okay, so she's okay. So her body language could be saying something else. So um, I think we should take that into consideration as well. Um, the tone, um, I think, especially, so I, I think as growing up, especially people in corporate, whatever, when you guys argue with your managers or whatever, sometimes a person could be very rude, but in a very subtle manner. So it's the tone in which it happens. So it's not just the body language. It's not just the verbal, the verbal cues. It's the tone in which it happens. Because a person could say yes, but the tone is not agreeing with what you're doing. Um, also, women are fearful of men. I, I, I Actually, let me not generalize and say women are fearful of men, but um, there are women who are fearful of men. So I, I don't want to oppose what he's saying or for whatever reason, there could be financial implications involved or socioeconomic situations. Um, so let's just consider that, that there are different types of consent or different types of cues that you should take when dealing with consent. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. I think that's a good answer. I think you've given a more extension of what, what extent, consent is not a singular or individualistic approach of dealing with two, two adults when it comes to agreeing upon sex or any kind of romantic activity. Um, Matlazi, do you also have an opinion on this or? Um, hi, um, yes, I do. I'm of the belief that, you know, there's some people that really do struggle to get hints and tones and all of that. I know for myself, I really do struggle with, uh, with, with acknowledging or understanding an individual's clear communication. If you don't speak up and you're not clear about your expectation out of me, I struggle so much to see the expectation and follow through with it. So that's where I'm a bit on the fence with um, the opinion of consent and all the various opinions that have been shared there's just gray areas that we need to underline but who is it whose responsibility is it to ensure that the message is articulated clearly that is my biggest question because it's so easy to pass the buck and say but it's the guy's responsibility to ensure that the instruction is clear but it's also you as an individual woman's responsibility to ensure that your instruction is clear so that's where I'm a bit on the fence of it, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay, maybe let me ask Lungile to extend this conversation. In your view, last week we discussed consent, but there was a paradigm added in terms of where alcohol is involved. Now, will you have a case where two people are intoxicated? Let's say, uh, hypothetically, they meet at a party, they both get drunk, they both are in a place, in a room, how does consent happen there? Can consent be given in a space where two people are intoxicated? Can I jump yeah. in on that? Yeah, let the point jump in first, please. Cool. I think in terms of consent regarding like if two people are intoxicated, there shouldn't be anything that goes on between those two people. Let's be fair, like, even though if someone's saying yes, it doesn't always mean they're saying yes to what you are thinking about as such. 
sometimes could not be in that actual right frame of mind to actually say, cool, I'm actually saying yes to this because I actually want to do this, or am I saying yes to this just because the alcohol has actually affected or impaired my judgment? So rather like back off, if you're intoxicated, both of you, rather say like, hey, you know what, man? I really maybe like you or whatever. Let's talk again later on when we're actually both sober-minded. But then at least you know that the consent is actually going through clear and vocally in terms of everyone's actually agreeing to what actually is being specified or being hinted at. So that's my view in terms of that. Mikele, have you, have you formed a thought now? Yeah. Look, I think consent is a very broad term or a broad word rather. Um, because it has a lot of dynamics that needs to be taken into consideration. Like I think Lerato has raised is that if I say I should be the one responsible for consent, that means we are saying I'm the one initiating whatever that needs to be agreed on. So who's responsible for consent? The initiator. So anyone that is initiating anything should then be the one that should be responsible for consent. And this should go both ways. Two, the challenge with what I've picked up is that, um, oh, let me first answer the question. Anyone who's drunk cannot enter any legal contract or anyone that is drunk cannot enter any, con cannot consent because they're not in their rightful state. So if you are drunk, we'll actually advise not to even be seen next to someone because you will not be held responsible for the action that you had because you always blame it on the substance. So according to me, a person that has taken any form of substance that is intoxicating cannot give consent because that person is not in their rightful state of mind that can be able to make. I've seen people in my life, they will wake up next to a person and they do not even have a recollection of how they met and the thing that they have not, could have done uh, throughout that night or the day. So a person that is not in their sober state of mind, for me, cannot give consent. And a yes at times is not a, a, a consent. The, like we've said that there are verbal cues that one needs to look into that will then give uh, more detail because sometimes from a position of power, I can be able to make you to say yes because I'm in a state that can enable you to say yes because of the consequences that might come when you say no. And that cannot be guaranteed as a consent. That meaning yes cannot be consent or no cannot be consent. There must be other factors that need to be put in place to ensure that whoever agrees or not agrees, number one, you first need to understand what you're doing, understand the consequences, understand uh, who you're doing and why you're doing it. That means the, 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 there must be a clear uh, purpose or a clear uh, understanding of why you're doing it. Because sometimes we enter into things not understanding what we're doing. Like half of us, we've signed for cell phone and other contracts without even reading through the fine print. So we need to understand all those things before we can then say, I fully consent. And sometimes I will use power so that you can say yes, because you know the consequences. So the consequences and the intentions must be on the table and the person must agree to those things and must not be forced or coerced into agreeing because of any other reason. Okay. Um... I think that's that's quite a great explanation. So I think we can agree that in a space where two people are intoxicated, consent becomes more of a blurry issue and shouldn't be even be a factor of proceeding afterwards. But I see Kay, you raised your hand. I don't know if you wanna rebuttal or if you wanna change your view. You're muted. Sure. Uh, so you know, 
as you guys have been speaking, I actually thought about it. <clears throat> and, and, you know, especially the way we're speaking, we're speaking so hypothetically, you know, in this ideal world that we're living in. But it does not change the fact that when you go out to a club, there are going to be guys who are going to hit on you. There are going to be guys who are going to try and give you alcohol so they can get what they want. That's going to happen regardless. You know, we're speaking nicely now. Let's, let's be real. I think this is where it's going to be important because this consent value comes in a place whereby when you guys both go out and someone cries rape, there's valid grounds for that because crying rape is easy. But let's be honest. If you're going to go out, be prepared for that to happen because there are vouchers out there. There are guys who have an intention. So this consent thing leaves your window when you leave your house because when you're out there in the world, you're out there in the world, period. Just, just like that. And when I'm saying it like this, people need to at least agree to the fact that we can say the right things now but when I go out and I maybe take maybe three or four shots, I'm not going to be the same guy you see now. I'm not going to be respectful. I might go out of my way because alcohol already does blur situations. So when people do go out and have stuff like this, let's be prepared to accept the consequences. Hence why you need to be safe. Hence why we need to come up with what is a consent or not. If we don't have a clear understanding of it now, what's happening now is going to continue happening. There are going to be, continue to be more cases. There will be more issues. So. With regards to consent, it's going to be very broad because even when um, the lady spoke earlier on, she mentioned other things like the financial background, whatever the case may be. That is true because some girls are with guys because they're paying for their stuff. You know, it's very hard to say no to a guy who's paid for your cell phone or who's paying for your debt, whatever the case may be. So yet again, I think let's be more specific. Let's narrow it down to one specific issue whereby we can address that. This is actually an issue between guys and girls. We need to address that. This is consent for this. Because, I mean, yeah, some girls are, speak, are scared to speak to guys, but some girls have got, have got guts to actually insult a guy to their face. And then when they get slapped or there's a fight, then it's a problem. So I think if we can maybe speak to one issue with regards to going out and what is consent or not, I think that's more important, if you get what I'm saying, if that makes sense. I, I know Lerato raised her hand. I don't know if she wants to rebuttal or add a view. Lerato? Um, sorry, I had a bit of a connection issue. Um, so I, I think I might, I may have, sorry, missed a larger part of what the gentleman before me was saying. So I just want clarity on something before I jump the gun. Um, I just want to know, I heard him say something about, we need to discuss, um, the aspect of safety. Um, as gentlemen on the platform and in the forum, I just want to understand if you guys are aware that the issue of safety is then a discussion that's only had for females. So a female or myself, when I leave the house or when I drive out, I need to take precautionary measures to be safe. But also I need to be safe from men. I need to be safe from the very same gentleman that I'm having a conversation with now because he's saying to me that later on, after he's had four or five shots, he won't be responsible for the decisions that he's taking. So I just wanted clarity on that, that are we saying that we, we have to condone people's actions when, when they're drunk because we know that alcohol sort of blurs their decisions. And however, whether I'm drunk or not, the responsibility for my safety is still um, on me the onus is still on me to be to ensure that I'm safe, but the onus is not on the guy who's taken four or five shots to have the same mental state that he has when he's sober. Um, sorry, I just need clarity on that. Um, yeah, I'm okay, open I, for, okay. I'm I open for correct. corrections and stuff, yeah. 
Okay, let me clarify on that. Um, Kate, before, before you clarify, let me also include the other two ladies who also have the views also. Sure. Um, sure. So let me start with Dikke Zeng because I can obviously see her. Um, the other lady is also driving. Um, in your view, um, do you have any particular view that differs from what Lerato has said in terms of consent? And also want to add in a dynamic of, and maybe this can maybe proceed to the next question. Is there such a thing as the age of consent? Because I'm assuming when someone is 18, they can now vote, they can now sign a contract. But if someone, let's say, a, 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 someone my age who's 26, 27, was to approach someone eight, at eight, who's 18 years old, is there grounds to say that this person is not, is not, is not at an age of where they can actually consent? Or is that, is that something you differ with? But that's just in addition to what is being discussed. What is your view? Okay, um, okay, there's too many questions there. Okay, so I'll start with, with the basic one, the, the consent one. Um, yeah, I think I agree with, uh, with a lot of what most of you guys have said, right? Um, in a sense that consent is, it's, it's a broad issue for me in, in a sense as, I've, as I'm hearing from people. It's not a cut and dried to say it's a yes or it's a no kind of thing. Um, the subtle nuances and behaviors that a person needs to you know, pick up on, but not everyone is able to pick up on those things. Um, but I'll take it out and make it very simple um, in, in certain care. So when we start going out or people start going out, right, uh, there's certain communications um, that I had before. And if you want to go on a date, for instance, you would ask, would you like to go on a date? And the female will say no or yes. So that's as simple as that. That's consent, right? But when it comes to things like when you're in a relationship or we've known each other for like three weeks or whatever the case is, for guys, I would assume there's always this um, assumption that you know what's the deal. You know, you know now that you come into my room, what's about to happen, all right? Um, so there's, for them, there's that notion that by virtue of you hanging out with me in my room and just the two of us, um, that sort of comes up as you being concerned or being comfortable enough, right? But for a simple girl, that could just be like, I just want to hang out and there's no nothing about it. And guys are very smooth on the tongue. Let's just be honest. There's like power that they have with the tongue. That's why they get us to um, date them and, you know, the hunt and the chase, right? Um, and then sometimes you get to a point where you are just chilling and they'll smooth out the tongue, they'll tell you all these sweet things. And these come, things comes with age and experience and all those things, right? That lead you to, maybe a girl would be, would agree to do certain things, right? And maybe they're not comfortable, but they agree to it because we've built this relationship. But that's just like in, in a broad sense, right? So it's not just the current right answer to say it's a yes or no, but there's certain things as, as people who react to each other that we do that lead to certain activities or certain agreements that we somehow um, get into, right? So that's like what I'm picking up or what I would say consent is. But some, sometimes it's not current right as a yes or no, um, but we as a woman as well, we have to realize somehow how guys behave or what their expectations are and not put ourselves in, in those situations that will somehow concern to things that 
we don't believe in, right? So protect ourselves before thinking the next person will, will protect us, right? Um, your second question, sorry, can you repeat that for me? Um, it's regarding the age of consent. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't believe, I think legally it makes sense to put like measures in place um, to say at 18, you are old enough to make decisions. In other states, okay, in other countries, for instance, age of drinking is 21. In other states, maybe it's like 16 and whatever. So like there's no general, I would say, rule, but we go for like 18 and 21 because we believe people can be um, old enough or are old enough to make those decisions. But I don't believe an age matters how comfortable you are with certain things. Um, sometimes you get into situations and you are 21 and you still don't know about them and, um, and they happen and you, either you agree to them or you don't, but that doesn't mean that you're in the right state of mind or condition to agree to that. So I don't believe there's an age of consent per se that you can agree because you are 18. Um, we agree most of the time without, like somebody mentioned the fact that uh, we don't read terms and conditions on the contracts that we get, enter into. And just because you are 18 and you took a cell phone contract, that doesn't mean that decision was influenced correctly just because you are 18. You still don't have the correct information to make that decision, regardless of your age. So I don't think there's an age um, limit or an age that makes you essentially old enough to make decisions. Um, I'll, I'll make an example where um, in, in a situation where one person is more, I would say, I don't want to use the word work, but there are some people who are more aware, are more self-aware um, at a younger age than perhaps a 25-year-old would be, right? In a similar situation, an 18-year-old an can make a wiser decision than a 25-year-old. And that is basically knowing of, thyself, of, knowing of self perhaps more than a 25-year-old would know. So in those instances, um, an 18-year-old would make a wiser decision and give consent or um, be in a position to make the right decision than somebody else who, who is none the wiser and who is much older. So I don't think there's an age that would be consent. That would be like an age of consent or an age of precisely when you are 18, the day after you are 18, everything is done, but then a day late. Previously, you were 17, and that's, that's different for some reason. So I don't think there is, no. Okay. Uh, I know you wanted to respond. Um, obviously, just adding the dynamic of the whole age of consent factor. Um, obviously, you've heard Lerato's response to what you asked. Um, also, also want to ask you in terms of what you said. Uh, in context, as a man, do you feel that there's a responsibility for you as a man to ensure that you've taken all precautions to ensure that even despite you being drunk, by the default of you being a man and whether it's biological disadvantages and advantages you have, you have to take certain responsibilities upon yourself to ensure your actions, despite being sober or not, are done regardless of how the woman feels. What is your take on that in context of what she said? Uh, cool, thanks, man. Um, I'll just go step by step. Um, and maybe I just have to re repeat the question for me. But um, age of consent, um, honestly speaking, that's just law um, that has been created so that they can allow kids or people to be finally called adults. 
you know, because an adult is, is, is just an adult that you use. I mean, I can be a baby and I'm 50 years old, especially the things that I do or what I like doing, you know. So in terms of age of, of consent, I think it starts from when you can read and understand what you're reading. That's where it starts. If you can see something says, this is going to happen to you, one, two, and three, then it stays there. Because, I mean, that's, that's where you can think for yourself, where you can reason for yourself. So age of consent, um, yeah, I don't think there's an age to it. But obviously by law, to make things safe for everyone, they've obviously put an age limit to it. And then to Lerato's statement or question, just to clarify. So when I, when I threw in the alcohol, the reason why I threw it in is because it was very easy to, to grasp what alcohol does to people when, when they have too much. But in terms of that, it's a thing of whereby if you're my partner and we're going out as friends, I would know already, okay, look, I'm going with my friend. But if you're a girl and I say, hey, let's come and meet up and I've got, you don't understand what my intentions are, you would be surprised if I end up going overboard in terms of how I conduct myself. But if you know who Kay is or Peter is or Brian is, you'd obviously know how, what to expect from them because I do believe we've got those friends that do drink and then they, they act the fool. So in terms of that, I don't know if I answered your question, but it was merely in the fact that I presented that so that you understand when alcohol is involved, what we agreed on should be at least be agreed on before we meet when alcohol is there. Because when alcohol is there, my no and whatever is going to be there is going to be very different as to how I would have spoken to you if I was sober in mind. Um, I hope that makes sense. I don't know if it does, but yeah. Um, what was the next question, Peter? The third one? Well, I mean, do you think as a man, there's some kind of responsibility that is held strictly purely because you're a man in a case of whereby... Nah. Oh, okay, I hear you. Yes, I remember the question. Okay, cool. Uh, so you see, with regards to that, um, let's... Let, this, this is where that, that, that consent and age and where people say that, okay, look, I'm legal. I think it comes to a point whereby whatever you decide to do by yourself, that's what you decide to do. The reason why they protect people who are under the age of 17 onwards, whatever the case may be, is because, you know, they don't expect you to be responsible at that time. So once you've passed the age of 18, responsibility kicks in by law or by what the world will believe. When you're 21, whatever the case may be. So in terms of responsibility, I will do me, you understand? I will do what I think needs to be done so I can live right. So if I don't want to go to jail, if I don't want to go do anything, I will not intoxicate a girl. I will not force myself when I go because I know I'm going to go to prison. But unfortunately, the people that do it and get away with it, that's why it's a prevailing thing or it's happening in the background. So in terms of responsibility, I cannot speak on, on behalf of another guy. Unfortunately, I can't. Because I would obviously conduct myself in a way that I don't drink, I'll do one, two, and three. So I'll be responsible for myself. So the only time a man needs to be responsible is if a kid comes into the picture, a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, that's when you must be responsible. Because you know, look, man, she's a young person, whatever the case may be, watch your step. That is where you must kick in. But then if you mess up there and you're not responsible, then people have got the right to say that, hey, bruh, you're, you're not conducting yourself in a correct way because we believe once you're under the age of 18, you, you can't think for yourself. Okay, not really think. You can't, you're not legal. You understand? According to the um, society's eyes, whatever the case may be. So in terms of how I would conduct myself, and I'll speak on my behalf, I will not put myself in a compromising position. That's the most responsible part that I can do. But if the girl drinks too much, I must be responsible to say no, right? But those times don't always play out the way we want to. I'll be like, cool, I like this girl too. 
she's drunk, but she might not be thinking what she's doing. But I'm like, I, I still want to get something. It's still going to be a problem. So responsibility is really on the individual and what they choose to do. I think that's the best that I can answer for that. Okay, I know Molikhari raised a hand. Uh, then after that, I'll let Tika Teng and then Lerat afterwards. Hi, can you guys hear me? Uh, yes. Sorry, I'm like technologically not okay with Zoom. Um, I wanted to say in terms of consent, I think that there's certain things that we as society have to unlearn. Because, for example, Jeketeng said something about being in a person's room and then it's already implied that certain things are going to take place. Um, from personal experience, when you communicate certain things like, listen, I'm not going to sleep with you, um, but we can fool around. Some guys look at that as a challenge, like, ah, oh, okay, maybe she's paying hard to get. Um, and maybe if things go really well, she'll give into it. And the, I think the, the, the respect of no is not given. Because when you say no, some people see it as a challenge and they think I can push the boundaries because some people have given in. You start off saying no, and then eventually you give in for whatever reasons and whatever factors you give in. And I think maybe mentally, some people then see that as a challenge. Like she's saying no to me, um, but maybe if I charm her, she'll slowly start trusting me and then let me in. So I think as society, we need to unlearn certain things. For example, if you know that when you are drunk, you become rowdy, you become aggressive, etc., then limit that. Why can't we have the fun without having to reach certain stages where you start infringing on someone's rights, basically? That's what I wanted to say. Um, Dikete, um, you can chip in. I know you raised your hand. Uh, so I think I've lost my train of thought, but it, um, it was with um, the previous guy, what he said in terms of um, like checking his, his own behavior to say, okay, this person is, I stand to be corrected because now I've lost my train of thought, but it was in terms of him saying, okay, uh, this person is, can't remember, man. sorry, I'll, I'll go back, but uh, it has to do with him, this person being at a certain age and then taking that responsibility um, and, and being like, okay, oh, I think it was with saying, if I do this, I'll go to jail type of thing. So being conditioned, uh, the only reason I'm doing this is because of going to jail. But we, it's, it's, a, mor it's a moral question for me um, to say, if there was no jail, if there were no laws against it, would you do it? Even though it's violating a human nature, right? So the fact that you are only stopped by barriers of law is a concern for me. Because morally, the law, like your morals should guide you before what the law says. So I think in the sense of like, like what Molochari has said, that you push the boundaries just to see how far you can go. And I think that's the same condition there. Guys would go as, as far as they want to go just to see how far they can go. So you can do, if it says you need to punch me five times before you go to jail, are you going to punch me four times? Um, because that's what the law requires. But what does your morals say? And we need to get back to that point. Like we don't need to be conditioned by the systems or by the, by the laws for us to take respect of women first. So I think, yeah, you can, stand, you can correct me there, um, but I think that's one of the things that you mentioned, like 
um, if I do this, I'll be arrested. I don't think it should get to that point when you respect women um, for you to be guided by the laws first. I stand to be corrected, but yeah, that's one thing I just wanted to mention. So can I just add, just so that we can, we can just maybe go on, uh, on, um, on, on the right road. So guys, um, the alcohol that I'm presenting to you guys was a generic example. I don't drink myself. And um, yes, I do feel bad if, if, if I'm being hit on by a girl who's drinking because I know for a fact that she's doing something she doesn't like or she wants to do it, but because of the alcohol being involved, she's more excited and obviously it's going to lead to other things. But the reason why I presented what I presented to you it's because I know from experience, you know, especially from the friends that I know, whatever the case may be, those things do happen when alcohol is involved, et cetera, et cetera, goes on, and whereby a person will stop because of one, two, and three. Because sometimes you, there's a certain urge that you get. Not everyone can control their sexual urges, unless you, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of that. And because of that, with alcohol being involved, it will trigger the boundary to remove that boundary, and they will actually do anything above that. And sometimes the only reason why people stop doing things is because of the consequences. Not everyone has got logic whereby they're like, look, I'm hurting this person. So for me, it's just a general thing. If you've got a different view on that, that is fine. But um, for me, morally, I'm just defending myself because I feel like, um, yeah, but that is a good question in terms of it being a moral thing. If guys do think about things, things morally or not, then I think we should really think about that as well. Hope that makes sense. Um, before Lerato chips in, I would like maybe one of the other guys to also chip in on the discussion that's we're leading to with consent. I mean, I think that inherently a lot of us maybe are truly trying to find ways of navigating this whole issue of consent. I mean, maybe in my own personal case, I'm trying to learn and unlearn certain things. So maybe if I can also have one of the other guys also chip in on their views on the discussion so far, uh, considering the whole discussion that's led to especially as a man, you know, the power dynamics that are playing a role purely because of your biological structure of being a man, that consent might not always be given in the case that you may be seen as someone who can beat her or harm her. And someone may, by impulse, decide, you know what, let me not say no, because out of fear of being harmed. What do any of you other guys say to that? Sorry, just to go back on the previous question was done by Kay and the lady. So in terms of consent, I know it's not like conditioning thing, what you want to say, like, yes, you're scared of something, so you're not going to do it as such. But it is kind of like a condition in a sense of like something what we are teaching our kids or teaching other people as people just like respect others. So to a certain degree, it is a bit of conditioning what you have to kind of do, either from an early age, as a father, as a mother, or just as a friend, just to say like, dude, you know what, I saw your actions recently and it's not actually right probably pull back on this or she's not feeling you just like leave her alone for now, something like that. So there's a bit of conditioning in regards to that statement. Something just has to be like conditions just to say that guys, morally, um, by law and just as individuals, we should just try and respect each other. We shouldn't go far and try to over push certain boundaries. Yes, it is true. As guys, we do push some boundaries. We do have that thing of like, it's a bit of a chase and so on those who don't want to like give up on something that maybe this might actually lead to us dating, getting married or something like that. So we also have to try and figure out what exactly is our limits? How far can I actually go with something? How far should we actually like stop? Like, okay, cool. Let me probably like ask one or two questions. If I see like, mm, she's not in the mood, let me probably back off. So I have to try and find a little middle line or gray line to say that cool, enough is enough. I should stop now and back off or 
cool, she's okay, and let me see if I can still continue onwards. But again, it's also about communication. Both sides have to communicate at a certain point. Not everyone is audible, that is true. So you have to try and pick up sometimes social cues or facial cues like, uh, this person looks a bit uncomfortable, probably I should stop. Or if they're not giving any type of cues as such, just try and ask like, cool, I'm trying to imply ABC. Are you okay with it? Yes, no. Even if you don't really say anything, at least like maybe a nod or something, just to try and actually get that proper type of consent. That's all I wanted to add in terms of that. Okay, let me get, Lerato, I know you raised your hand a few minutes ago. Maybe you can also chip in. Then I think we can proceed to some of the other topics. Unless someone wants to also give their closing remarks before we proceed. Um, okay, I was, I was actually, so sorry if I'm taking you guys way back, but I was actually talking or coming into the discussion in terms of age of consent. Um, okay. So I think we can't put age of consent under one big umbrella and say, um, okay, let me come to me actually, sorry. Um, I think we can't put one, um, like the age of consent under one umbrella and say, okay, this is 16, you're 16, so now you're old enough to consent for this and this and that. Here's the thing. If you're five years old, and somebody tries to force themselves on you, and you say no, whether you're 18 or 20, the mere fact that you said no still says you do not give that person consent. So you can't then legally, they can't say that, no, because you're 18, well, because you're five and not 18, whether you gave consent or not doesn't really matter because you're underage. Do you get what I mean? Um, so. We can't put that in terms of um, gender-based violence, for instance, we can't have an age of consent. The fact that somebody has already said no, irrespective of their age, I think a lot of young children have said no to their uncles or whoever has either physically molested them or, or anything. The problem with that is that you, the five-year-old can't then go to the police by themselves they need an adult present in order to help them and guide them. So in terms, of, in terms of the fact that an adult must be present to assist with, God forbid, anything that happens prior to uh, molestation or anything, that, that's when an adult is required. But in terms of consent, when you're five years old or four years old and you're screaming no, the person must already know you did not give consent. So... And also it comes into play that a five-year-old is not out drinking. A five-year-old is not out wearing a mini skirt or whatever the stereotypes come with um, of how people would describe a victim. So, yeah, I think we must tread carefully on that. And maybe that is a, a discussion we should have with legal, with legal opinion. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm a legal expert. But I can, just, I can just say that we can't put an umbrella under um, age of consent. So even us having to ask each other, what is the age of consent? We shouldn't even have to ask that. The fact that somebody has said no, irrespective of their age, you can be 30 and they ask you, do you want to buy this house? You said no, and they respect that decision. So why can't you respect a decision from a 16-year-old who says no? 
um, yeah, that would be me. Um, I know Lungile raised his hand. Uh, just before you answer, maybe if I can also add into you answering. Um, in the discussion regarding age of consent uh, and just consent in general, in your view, um, as a society, we tend to use things such as monetary value, status, in a way in which it adds kind of a power dynamic in relationships or in any social engagement with people. Don't you think that also impacts the ability for someone to say consent? So let's say I'm a celebrity and I meet a girl who's a fan of mine um, and I'm older than her, she's probably 19, 20, I'm in my 30s, I'm a high powerful man, I have connections. Do you think that also plays a role into the impacting of someone giving consent and then it, in a broader sense, do you think men should not use that kind of ability of status and power in an aspect of attracting the opposite sex or in any social setting where someone may be vulnerable to not be able to give consent? Yeah, okay. I think let me first address the issue of the age. I think how I understood the question was, if there's an age gap, we're speaking about legal people, anyone about 18 and above. Anyone less than 18, that's, that's statutory rape. Whether they agreed or not, that's wrong. That's not, we don't have to even to entertain that. We can't speak about that. If anyone less than the age of 18, we don't speak about that. That, is, that person is not a, a, a natural person that, or a person that can go and that person is it's a kid, it's a minor. We don't deal with those ones. Those ones, it's rape. If you do that, you are a pig. That needs to be arrested immediately and be sent far from society. We're speaking about someone who's 18 and someone who's 40. And we ask, is that gap, can we consider that to say a person that you are 15 years older than a person, can we say there must be a certain gap in between for an age of consent so that we don't find ourselves someone who's very young, he's being overpowered by someone who's old. I think that's how I understood it. We're not speaking about um, a 14-year-old kid here. That person is a minor. That person cannot consent. That person must be protected by law and everyone in the society. That person cannot consent. It's someone who's above the age of 18 who we assume that they are matured enough to be able to understand the decision that they make. Someone of that age needs to be protected by the society, by the law, and everyone that is around. So I, was, I think that's how we need to understand it. We're not speaking about a child here. A child cannot consent. A five-year-old cannot consent. Even a 17-year-old, 11-month person cannot consent. It is someone that is of age that can then be able to take a decision that can then be legally binding. Anyone that cannot take a, a, a decision that is legally binding, that person cannot consent. Because if, 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 even if they can go and make an affidavit, that person, the person that is involved can be charged with statutory rape. That's wrong. So the issue of, of power, let's take for our pick on the guessing because she's next to my if I'm this powerful person, she's looking for a job, um, I happen to be hiring. I said, look, Dekazan, I can give you a job if we can just have one round and just have sex. She says, yes. Did she consent? Yes. But did she agree to this because she wanted it or she was 
that's where the dynamic comes to play and changes everything. She did not agree because she wanted to do this, because, but because of the circumstances she found herself under. Because either I have a, a, a very powerful position, either I have whatever the case might be. So consent, the plane must be even. The plane must be even and the person must understand what they're getting themselves into. And there must not even be benefit. It must be a mutual thing that if I do this, I want to do this, I love to do this, and nothing is pushing me to do this. Because if she wants to do it, because I said to her, the only way to be employed or for the only way to get this, you'll have to go and do this. There's no longer consent. It's something different. And especially if I'm going to use my power and my influence to, coerce, to push her to make a decision, though she might not be comfortable with it, but because of my position or because of the, the, the influence I might have, then she has not consented. So the issue, it, the plane must be even, the person must understand what they're getting themselves into, and they must not be pushed into doing it. It must be something that is mutually agreed on and on basis that this person, uh, you, you're not using your power. I think I think that's my take on this. No, it's fine. Um, I think that's a good explanation. I mean, maybe just to progress the discussion, because obviously we have other issues, such as discussing the broader sense of GBV and the other topic we had. I see Kay, you raised your hand in Tabang. So maybe Kay, then Tabang can close the consent discussion, unless you want to proceed with it. But I think let's also open for more dialogue to also happen and let other people also participate. So Kay, then Tabang will close the issue of consent. Okay, cool. Hey, thanks. Um, yeah, no, um, what you said, Lunga, was uh, very, 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 very crucial. Um, yeah, but you see, it also boils down to the person being able to select or choose what they want. So if a person says just for one round, for what, whatever the case may be, you know, the fact that you're choosing yes or no, the fact that you enter the guy's car, it's already consent because, you no. know... No. Let, let me finish. Sorry for... Oh, sorry. I, I thought I was muted. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to express yourself. But anyways, um, on the reels, the reason why I would say it like that is because I cannot put a lollipop in front of you and then you just it just sucks you in. You have got the power to move those legs of yours to come and get it. You've got the power to say, now nah, I'm cool. I'll work hard for my lollipop whatever the case may be. So when I'm saying that, it's really coming from a place whereby as much as something is presented to you, you have the choice to say yes or no. The only time I would probably be against it is if that person is your guardian and they're like, look, you better do this or else I won't give you food. Yeah, then he's holding you by, she's actually got power over you. But if you're an adult, obviously like what Lunga said, is from 18 above. You know when to say no, you know when to say right. If in your spirit you feel like, you know what, this guy's offering me this for this, why would you go for it? So if you end up getting something out of that, which is not positive, then you're going to be like, ah, I didn't know. But what were you expecting? So when I'm saying this in terms of consent, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ridiculing women out there who say that, oh no, they sleep to get to power, whatever the case. No, scrap that. I'm saying it from a place whereby a guy does not present something to you in the bed. He'll present it to you then the bed comes after that. I don't know if that's making sense. Um, yes or no? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, let me ask Tawang to close off the, because obviously I think we can still add consent into the other topics because they all correlate. Yeah. Um, so Tawang, maybe you can just give your view, then we can proceed to something else as well to add another dynamic to this conversation. Okay. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, so, like for me, like this issue of consent, I've always thought of consent as a black or white issue, but. Upon listening to you guys, I realized that this thing is deeper than I thought. Like, there's a lot of the whole white spectrum that you have to consider. And uh, not just a yes or no situation. And uh, I've been wondering, I wanted to ask you guys, like, how do you exercise that issue of consent when both parties are drunk? Uh, the reason I'm asking is, uh, you know how consistent actions uh, form habits? So like among a group of friends, because I know like among from my friends, like from home, we have like this thing of if we go out, we go to a club and there's this girl that she's into you and all that. But you realize that, hey, she's quite drunk. So the issue is you will not do anything to her. Like it doesn't matter if you are both drunk. So the issue is like you have to, uh, how can I put this? Like should you take her home to your place you're not doing anything like you just have to make sure that that boost comes out and if you are willing to like you want to try something like it has to be like you have to make sure that this is a different day not like when both parties are drunk you know so like now i'm just wondering like do you guys also have a similar rule because i know like that rule to be honest is based on guys fearing to go to prison because if you wake up and the girl, the girl says, hey, this is rape, what happened? I, it, like, like I said, we should always like push for morality. Like, you should, your morals must guide you instead of the law. You know, so like, I wanted to find out, like, how do you like create that environment whereby even when you are drunk, your actions are still consistent? Like, how do you, like, what rules do you have that we can maybe start implementing something like that? Let, let me rather have a lady response to that, then we can maybe then add the yeah. question to the topic. I don't know if any of the ladies want to respond to that um, before we proceed, because I don't want to linger on into one topic. I have very little information on drunk drinking and drunk guys. So yeah, so uh, a, yeah. a guy has to speak on that behalf. A guy has to respond. A guy that drinks, I don't drink, so I can't speak on that. Same. Uh, Lungile, I know you raised your hand, Lungile. I also don't drink tea, but I'll try to respond. I think one of the things that we need to understand and agree is that consent is not on, it's not when you first met a person, it's, it's, an, it's an ongoing thing. I'm married and there, if I can tell that my wife is not into it, that's consent. So it's every time when you engage on any, on, 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 well, let's take it in this case, on a sexual activity where you do not force yourself into someone. Whether you are in a relationship for 15 years, 20 years, that's consent. So it's, it's an ongoing thing. I think that's one part that we need to really understand. It's, it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that ends on the first day when you had it. She can say yes on the first round and say no on the second round, and you need to respect that. It, it's something that we, we, it's something that, because she was comfortable at first, now she's no longer comfortable, we must respect that. So consent is an ongoing thing. Consent is something that we need to agree that it's, it's something that we will always 
have to battle with all the days of our lives as men and as women. And we need to find a way to, to be able to read it, understand it, and be able to then implement it on our day-to-day lives. A drunk person, tea. A drunk, it's a no-no. It's a no-no to any guy, to any, it's, that person, they are not in their right state of mind. They're not in a position to make a decision. They're not in their, they're, it's a person that can, half of them even you can say, give me your ID number, they cannot even say it. They cannot finish that. And why do you want to take a person like that and say that person consented? Because they are not in their rightful state of mind. They cannot even go and, and, and make, and enter into any legal uh, binding uh, contract because of their state. So a drunk person, let's respect our drunk ladies. Let's allow them to be drunk when they are sober. Stop being cowards and go for ladies that are drunk. Be man enough to wait for her when she's sober. When she enters into a club, approach her. Stop waiting for five hours later for you to go and approach her because she's now no longer in her right sense of, in her right state of mind before you can then up. Go for her when she's sober. If you love her enough, wait for her for the following morning when she's now okay and then try to advance so that we can find ourselves in a situation where we raise men and raise young men that will respect women. And in turn, women will then find no reason not to respect us because we showed that respect that I'm not, I, you said yes, but I respect the fact that you are not in your right state of mind. And I had to wait for you to be on the right state of mind before we can enter in any uh, engagement. So, a consent is an ongoing thing. Consent, it's verbal and non-verbal. Consent, it, there must be an even platform where people are not forced by circumstance or mind or whatever the case might be or anything. And consent, it's an ongoing thing that all of us need to gravel around in all the days of our life. I think, um, I think we can definitely proceed. I think we've covered quite a large portion of our discussion is consent. Maybe let me also extend the discussion to issues such as the violence and the perpetual issue of misogyny and patriarchy that exists in our society. And maybe I can ask this in a form of some questions, but maybe let me ask one of the ladies, because I also see Matlati, maybe she can also chip in on this particular topic. Um, in regards to, as you can see, that right now we have this rise of GBV, we're in a lockdown, there's a lot of domestic violence cases being reported people are going missing. I wanted to ask you, in particular, looking at the fact that this is something very unique to South Africa, do you think there's an issue regarding culture and religion when it comes to women? In terms of, do you think religion or culture in some degree can be anti-women? Okay, thank you for that question. So I'm of the view that Everything begins and ends with your moral compass and your background is a very much of a determining factor as to what, how is it that you interact with the opposite sex or your relationships going forward. And I say this is because I was recently in a, in a relationship and I noticed this individual had a very toxic and not healthy approach and didn't realize race woman with a lot of respect because of his relationship with his mom. I can't now expect him to now suddenly change and acknowledge and treat me properly and not even get to the point of where it's almost leading onto the fence of abuse as a result of his negative 
relationship that he has with his mom. So I think a lot of things start at home. You are right to your question about cultural and religious. I do think there is an influence and it carries a lot of power within how things are carried on for generations to come. Because if the foundation is right, you cannot expect people to then behave accordingly when they have no foundation or something to lean on that will replicate or show them what is core values. If you don't have core values and it doesn't start at home, you cannot teach it most of the day, in my opinion. So I do believe that gender-based violence that is happening, it's a deep-rooted issue that I believe can be fixed. I don't know if it can be fixed. I'm of the opinion that it can be fixed, and I do believe that psychologists should be utilized in the schooling system where there should be a period where kids literally express everything that is on their chest and experience the traumas that they, they, they go through at home because now we have all those traumas bottling up in people growing up and now it becomes such a huge avalanche of drama and pain and spill a horrible spill over onto society and the people around them all because we are not taught on how to deal with our emotions accordingly because we don't have the foundation and we don't preach the spirit of this culture of unity, uniformity, speak about your issues. It's not in our culture. It's not in our culture. When you have issues, go for therapy. It's not in our culture. If you have something that bothers you, you address it a certain way. It's not in our culture. So for me, that is how I would answer the situation about the gender-based violence. They could be eradicated if we all just fixed, had, came from good foundations. Unfortunately, we don't have that, that background, or not all of us do. But again, if we also also minimize the spirit of the culture of bystanding, that's a huge contribution to the gender-based violence that happens within our communities. There's too many bystanders, and we all end up having blood on our hands as a, as a result of just our willingness and our comfortability with just sitting back and watching something explode when it doesn't have to. So that is how I would address that question. Okay, let me ask Lerato to chip in before Kay, then Dikateng will also chip in. I know Lerato wants to leave soon. She has some other responsibilities. Uh, so Lerato, maybe you can just give us your parting with this discussion and we can proceed from there. Um, thank you. I think, sure, I'm, I'm always very skeptical to speak about this um, because I think it's a very controversial topic especially when we put religion and culture in the mix. Um, firstly, first and foremost, I must declare I'm very Christian, very Catholic, you know, so I'm not anti-Christ or anything like that. But I do think that most teachings in the Bible, um, teachings culturally, um, teach women to suffer. Um, there's this thing about millennial <laughs> it's very funny i use the word peter and tabang i haven't used this word in a long time millennial but anyway um it's it's a thing about millennial women that um millennial women aren't submissive and they don't listen they don't um marriages don't last as long as they used to because women talk back or women earn more than their husbands or whatever um 
that's the, the root and the core of the problem. So the re okay, the reason why, and I don't know for people who have daughters and younger sisters and stuff, the reason why you would push your daughter to become better is because in your head you know that you'd be more in, she would be more independent and she wouldn't be reliant on a man. Number one. So you push your sister or your daughter, do better, do great, um, so that you don't have to depend on a man. Whereas in the 19-whatevers, the women just needed to be very pretty and find themselves a nice white-collar working or blue-collar working type of man. Um, so now when I have my opinion, they're not going to say, no, but she's opinionated, it's okay. They'll say, what then, because or what then, because she's working, or whatever. Um, so then that becomes, and it's also, I think, oh, small things. I think I said small things because I, I think it's menial, but it's really big things. Like if I'm about to get married and I'm called into a little room with all these older mamas and they, they sit me down and they tell me, you don't ask a man this, you don't do this. The man doesn't, you don't ask him what time he comes home from wherever when he comes you just give him his plate of food if you want sex you just open your legs and that's it like they're not saying express yourself but maybe find yourself a, a more poised way to express yourself. they're not they're just saying be mum be quiet and if this is something they're saying to us in the 21st century in that little bedroom before you get married then this is something that's been taught down and passed down to them for generations and generations so how do we then break that generational curse? Because they will tell you, they'll make references from the Bible. They'll make references from culture and religion and all that other stuff. It's even in non-Christian religions where you find Muslim women have to cover themselves because, I mean, if you even so as to reveal your arm, you're satanic, you're a heathen, you know? So our, our religious teachings as well as our cultural teachings are literally for me the root cause of a lot of problems and the reasons why women aren't comfortable in their various spaces with men. Because I cannot talk back to my husband because how else, I mean, they'll tell me, Hore, we didn't raise you like that. But did you raise him to raise his hand at me? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much for the meetup it's been lovely guys um yeah i do have to go and i hope you guys do invite me um again yes peter thanks again lerato um obviously we'll definitely invite you for further discussions um but thanks again uh hopefully we see you again um i know Kay and dickerzang raised their hands i don't know if it's in the same context of the conversation or if you want to add another dynamic into the discussion but let me start with Kay. go on from there Cool, cool, cool. No, thanks. No, Lerato, she ran away at the very right time because I was going to respond to her question. She's lucky she's gone. But anyway. I'm still um, here. I'm waiting oh, for a response. I'm fantastic. a very feisty one. Thank you. Okay, guys. Um, you see, one thing I would want to add to regards to religion and whatnot, lest I want to break it down to the fact there's a lot of dominions when it comes to religion. And what I'm saying that because the church that I went to, I was not raised to treat women or make women less. I was from a church where they would empower women to be pastors, to be preachers, to be leaders. You understand? So again, I think it's a thing of whereby a lot of people are going to get affected differently. The only time it becomes an issue is when you get 
with a like-minded person who is raised in a place where a hey, woman must be this this and this then you are going to suffer because he was raised like that and it's going to take a lot to break that chain of thought you understand so for example if you had to date a guy who is more liberal and more free and doesn't like tell a woman hey a woman must cook and eat and clean it's you you're going to experience a very different lifestyle and the reason why i'm saying that is because in my relationship with my partner she's been used to dating guys who are you know zulu guys who are you know hey women do this when she came to meet me i cook i clean i do all of those things she doesn't have to do that for me so it's really different for her in, in, in a context so again i really think a lot of people are getting affected differently so for some people it's religion that affects you and especially for muslim where you can't expose yourself one to and three yeah then you, you you're unlucky you, you've actually chosen the the wrong form of religion because hey if you want to expose yourself you can't and for people who are in a religion whereby they say women must do this and this you're going to continue to suffer but remember the reason why millennials are the in thing now is because we've got Cardi B, we've got Nicki Minaj, we've got we've got those girls, excuse my language, the bad bitches out there. And because hey, I want to be a bad bitch, they're going to continue to conduct like that. That's why they speak back to guys. That's why they they speak out. That's why the more vocal like now, nah, guy you got it's because a woman has presented that type of lifestyle especially now. We didn't have Nicki Minaj back then in the 1950s. Our parents were raised whereby they'll get married at a certain age, when you get to someone, you stick together. Now we're more free. Now we're in a place whereby anything goes. So as much as culture and religion play a role, it's actually society that plays a big role because you're going to teach your kids how to read the Bible. But when you go to school to play with Tabo and, and Peter and Brian, they're going to be teaching him about, about, about Drake. They're going to be teaching him about, hey, man, have you watched this movie called One, Two, and Three? And when he comes back home, he's going to go back into that shell where he's like, hey, look, hey, mom, yeah. But when he goes out, it's still the same thing. So at the end of the day, it's really the society that plays a bigger role. Because my, my, my dad can raise me a Christian now, but when I go out of diversity, I'm not going to be a Christian. I'm going to be who I think I want to be, which is that cool guy. So in terms of culture and religion, they play a role, but society plays a bigger role. That's really my view. Yeah. Dikate, I know you raised your hand earlier. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I, I have to agree with the Radone um, on the fact that, for instance, women are more conditioned to become wives or perfect wives rather than guys. Um, you can, I don't know if you guys are married, you can tell me if guys are actually put into a room and, ha and have discussions with their uncles and fathers as to say, okay, as a husband, this is how you behave. But we speaking from a woman's perspective, that's what happens. We sit in a room and we are told what a woman has to do, right? And I was funny enough, I was reading an article in this morning by a Pew University saying young men um, are going against the notion of getting married because somehow women are not women. Just like don't understand that. But anyway, um, I think the whole idea of patriarchy. Um, or religion setting up patriarchal um, standards is that religion wasn't bad when it started. Like it's like good intentions, you know, that just doesn't work for everyone, right? So religion isn't necessarily a problem. Is that we haven't moved with the progression of time. Um, when a woman was in the 19 or 1800s um, and was told to, or was not told, but the conditions was that she would be in the house raise her children. Um, there wasn't open businesses or 
um, careers that a woman could pursue um, in those particular times. So the conditions were very different. And now in 2020, the conditions are way different for women. Women have opportunities. Women have um, like a lot more going for themselves, right? And I, I've had multiple discussions. And one thing that always comes to my mind is that I feel like somehow men, um, this could also be perpetrated to the whole GBV is that somehow I feel like men have, most men have somehow lost um, view of where they, they fit into the mold of, of society and family because they are no longer the sole sources of provision for, for families and for their wives now. Um, necessarily women don't need men to provide for them, uh, for them to be able to survive, right? And because of that, some men have sort of like lost their view because they can't provide, they can't give you money, they don't have a job, but you have a job, right? Or you earn more um, higher than them than they do. Somehow lost their view and their role as, uh, as protectors or as providers because that is not the sole reason that we want them to be in our lives at the moment. And that is a patriarchal shift. Like if you can provide a man doesn't see themselves as being perhaps worthy enough to be, to be in, in, in your life. Um, and it takes a very, I think, um, knowledgeable man to understand that that is not the dynamics of, of a relationship. That a woman can talk back. Respect is, is, is very beneficial. Like it's very good to respect. That's because I'm responding to your questions or when we are arguing, I'm opposing or I'm saying an opposing view doesn't mean I'm talking back and being disrespectful. Because I think that is perhaps the terms that we use are, are what is limiting us. Just because I'm responding in an, uh, when we're having a, a discussion or an argument doesn't mean I'm talking back or I'm being disrespectful. But this wasn't the case in the 1800s when our fathers uh, were just telling our mothers, I'll be back at, um, at eight or whatever. And he comes back at 10 and now you're not being able to ask the questions. So I think what um, could be a contributing factors to the violences and the problems that we are facing now is that patriarchy has been instilled in our men, uh, but not being, and they have not been given the tools to function now in a society that doesn't need patriarchy because women, women have progressed, uh, but men are still somehow instilled in that same condition, if not mentally, um, progressed just as much. That's just my um, I know Mulukhari also raised a hand. Um, maybe I can also just add in a dynamic, maybe she can also respond. What is your take on the whole social structure in South Africa where in a household there's this notion that a man is the head of a household? What is your view on that and context to culture and religion? Do you think that is progressive or that should be dismantled? What is your take? Um, okay, thank you for that question. Um, in terms of religion, I don't think religion is the problem. I think it's the interpretation of religion that's the problem. I think people use it to, for self-serving purposes. So for example, if we look at race, right? Our oppressors were religious people, but their interpretation, they use the, um, the Bible to oppress us for, for whatever reason. But the actual Bible, if you go into the Bible and you read it, 
you see that they should have known that what they're doing is bad. So I feel like religion is not a problem. I think it's the interpretation of the Bible itself that people use to serve themselves. Um, that's just my opinion on that. And, and I think it, with the Bible, we've got a basis to go back to. We've got the word. With culture, it has developed or it was because someone said it. You know, it's not written in stone somewhere, but it's just things that have been passed on from generation to generation. And I think it, pay, it plays a very big role. Um, like Dieke Zing said, and I think the other lady that left, that, um, you know, you're taken into rooms and you're told these things. And you're, in my head, I'm like, if you guys are telling us this, what are you, what are you, you know, teaching the men? It's like men have free will to do whatever it is that they want, but women cannot have the same amount of freedom. And I think there's an imbalance there. I do believe that um, a man is the head of the household, um, but I'll reference the Bible. Just as much as it says that women should submit to the, to the man, it also says that the man must love his wife just as he loves the Lord. So you can't expect me to submit if you are not showing me love like you would show the Lord or you'd show Jesus. So I think, like I said, everything is very self-serving. We pick and choose things that will, will make us be dominant or be able to oppress someone and, and have power over them. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question in terms of the man being the head of the household, but also maybe referencing the Bible again. The Proverbs, um, the classic Proverbs woman that um, is explained, right? It also says that she's resourceful. She works. She keeps her, her household. So it's not, the responsibility is not just on the man. If you read the Bible, women all to you you're supposed to just do everything it says that i too am resourceful i too am able to plant and provide for my family so as much as you are the head um i am a supporting figure and there should be that balance there okay that's, yeah i think that's quite a well explained explanation in regards to your view on the issue regarding religion and culture Obviously, as you said, it's open for interpretation, so that obviously can create um, challenges in terms of how people view their own masculinity or femininity. I know Kay raised his hand and also Matlati, so let me give Kay first and then Matlati will respond as well afterwards. So Kay, go ahead and then Matlati will go after. Okay, thanks, man. Um, yeah, I just want to add to what Matlati said, um, obviously in terms of the Bible. Um, so first and foremost, uh, the Bible carries slavery as, as, as something that was okay. And when I say that, it is the very same way why, how white people could made servants. Because even if you read the Bible, maid servants and whatnot, helpers, have always been in the picture in terms of how the hierarchy worked of kings, queens, and then the servants and whatnot. So in terms of expressing the Bible, that part can be expressed and people who receive the, the wrong side of it are going to take it and are going to be victims of being a slave, whatever the case may be. Uh, but obviously past that, you know, New Testament, et cetera, et cetera, it's a thing of peace. 
you know, slavery you know, shouldn't be a big thing, and slavery is now being taken away from, especially because of the new laws were made. But now, for a man being a house, being the head of the family, that, as a Christian, I'm going to stand by it. Because, you know, if these two people in a relationship, they, they need to work together to a common goal. But it would be very hard if one is pulling another direction, another one is pulling another direction. You're going to struggle. Hence why when there's a head, it's more of a, if there's a decision that's going to be made, ne? they're going to give it to the man. When the bullet comes, as much as the woman discusses together with the man in terms of agreeing, the man is going to get shot. There's a, there's a person who's responsible for it. Hence why that head is always going to be there. It has to be there. That's why if your house is burning, the man needs to wake up and save his family first. You understand? So our responsibility is supposed to come from a place of caring, of nurturing and supporting. A woman, I must be honest with you, you multiply stuff. You know, um, you know obviously, BTD takes a woman's power to multiply. If I have a woman, I will do more than what I am doing. So if guys can see the benefit of a woman in terms of a relationship, in terms of religion, especially how they're raised, they'll be multiplying in the, in the right direction. But if you're going to be doctrinated in a way that a woman must be at home, she needs to do one, two, and three, that's going to be the mindset and the house you're going to build. And if your head is like that, you're going to go through that because people need to follow. And I'm not saying women must be followers because obviously I've got a lot of uh, single female friends who are mothers and they, they're managing their, their own lives as, as a single woman. So power to that. I respect that women are responsible. But in terms of a family, it has to be a head as a man. I hope that, that makes sense. Um, it does. Um, I, I may have different views, but I think let me ask Matlati to also check. Let's hear it first, Peter. Peter, let's hear it, bro. Let's, let's hear you speak, bro. Let's hear it. Okay, so from my understanding um, about ethics, I think, okay, how can I put it? Let me put it this way. So from my understanding, what's right today is wrong tomorrow. So back then, like you mentioned, slavery was a big thing and now it's abolished. Back then, when our parents were getting married, having sex out of wedlock was shunned upon and that's why so many people got married without really knowing each other to the extent that they were supposed to. And now we live in a time where having sex, casual sex is a very common thing and it's not necessarily shunned upon. And that's why, in my opinion, I think that's why people don't get married or see the need to get married because they don't really have the bed. There's no difference between being a single person and sleeping with a tons of women and being married. There's no much difference besides the commitment and the security and all of that. But that's besides the point. I do believe that as much as we live in a patriarchal system, I, I am of the notion that every woman has a choice and you have a choice to define your own king and pursue the person that speaks for the vision and mission that you're pushing in life. It is nobody's responsibility. Yes, the cultural practices of you being put in a little room and they are telling you about how you should respect a man, sharp, that is fine. But you are the one that chose this man and brought this man to your family and then also went as far as saying, this is the person I want to involve the government and God and involve all these parties and my family as well and commit in front of those three parties and then push a union forward. That was a choice people make, we women make daily. So I don't want to come across, I don't, want, I don't like us women sounding like victims because we are empowered. I have a choice of if I want to have kids or not. I have the choice of if I want to get married. I have a choice, even if I do get married, I have a choice of determining what is my tolerance level or not, you understand? If a vision and mission changes, I have a choice to say, but the vision and mission changes 
we're not pushing the same agenda. Let's leave this. Patriarchy and all of that, people pushing their own agenda in terms of manhood and wanting to be made to be like a man will always be there because the cultural practices are embedded within our roots, like from the, from the Kosa clan to the Babedi clan with the whole circumcision things that goes on in the cultural practices of things. It has been rooted within our everyday lives and when you are made to feel like a man and therefore you will pursue a woman who will make you feel as such but i don't ever want to sit here and feel like a victim that i don't have a choice and i don't have an opinion as to what is it that i want to expose to and what is it that i should be limiting myself to i don't have to tolerate half the things that men put me through why should i i have that choice so i just wanted to um share that yeah thank you guys Hello. I know you raised your hand. Is, is that, are you shaking your head or? No, someone, someone else can jump in. I was just uh, agreeing with Masha. I do agree with what she said. Uh, everyone does have a choice. And I think it's something like we push this equality thing, like for being biased, you know, like times have changed, man. It's no longer like in the past where expect people to do certain things because it fits your own definition of what you used to. So let people be, man. Okay. Um, Kay, are you raising your hand again or is this from the previous? Okay, no problem. Um, no, I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for you to respond. I was waiting for your response. That's what I've been waiting for. Okay. Um, personally, you know, I was raised in a both religious and a cultural setting in my family. And despite that, maybe it's through my own exposure of other families, um, media and society and the community I, raised, I was raised in, I've been able to also extend my own views to be my own rather than just the way I was raised. So for me personally, I've never really held extreme levels of where I believe, you know, a man is solely the head of the household, despite my own Christian and cultural views. I, I rather lean more to the idea that it is within the appointment of someone being a head. So a woman must say you are the head, or it is an agreement between both parties to come into a concession of what roles each person play, rather than a preconceived pre-decision made that someone is a head and one is not. So that's my view that it is rather a case of whereby, it is case by case where both people must discuss and say, look, this is my role in this household, I am the head. I do this, you do that, do we agree? Perfect. Rather than the preconceived notion that by purely me having a penis between my legs, I assume the role of being the head of the family and taking certain roles without any form of verification from the woman I'm with or vice versa. So I think it is a discussion between the two parties who must come into agreement rather than it being a preconceived decision that the man is strictly the head of the household. It can be a mutual thing where both people interchange in what their responsibilities are. But that's my view. I, I could change in either way. Um, but maybe let me also add a question in regards to Jeep. Lungile, did you is that a hand? Okay. Yeah, you can speak. Yeah, maybe yeah, I think I thought I've just lost my train of thought also. Um no it's fine. Answer ask the question. I'll come in later. Okay. Well let me let me add a new question because obviously time is obviously a factor. Um, considering the issues of GBV that's going on 
Um, there's a rise of violence against women. There's a lot of cases of people missing. Do you think our society has an inherent problem of violence or is this a problem restricted to an issue of the way women view, men view women? Or is this an overall issue of just violence in our society? Brian, what is your take? I know you haven't said much in a while. Yeah, that's gonna be a bit of a tough one. All right, so in terms of the, what you stated, right? I think we do have an issue in terms of violence. Violence is on the rise. Like the way we treat each other is just not right nowadays. It could be gender-based violence, could be violence because you're not even from this country. Like just the level of violence itself is just extremely high. So we have to try and find a way to, to deal with it. But in terms of for women, going back to our topic, right? It's also, I don't know, it could be something also as cultural. As most of you have said, we have been like brought up in certain situations where like it's expected of a woman to do A, B, C, right? But things change. Nowadays, it's that thing of like, we have to try and actually give equality or actually have equality between both of us. If I cook today, she can cook tomorrow. It doesn't mean that she has to cook every day. We have to have like that type of balance. But violence wise, I'm not too sure what we can say is leading to all of this. Some people would say like for black people, for instance, it's the lack of fathers. Because as you know, most black people do have lack of fathers in their lives. So you don't actually have that stability and balance and someone to actually tell you like, dude, you know what, what you're doing is wrong to actually show you what to do. So sometimes you're under that thing, that pressure of one, I have to try and be an adult myself. But since I don't know what to do, I'm trying to find out from other people who are probably not the best sources to actually tell me like, dude, violence is not right and so on. So that's what I can say for that. I think you have a train of thought. Now. I think, yeah, no, I think I'm okay now. I think I'm so okay. Maybe let me start with the issue of, of religion and, and, and culture. In, if you give power to a corrupt person, he'll use that power to benefit his corrupt acts. If you give someone Let's say there's nothing wrong with religion, especially let me say, not say religion. There's nothing wrong with Christianity because I cannot speak for other religions. I can only speak for the one that I subscribe to. It's only when a man takes that Bible and interprets it in a way that suits them or to, 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 to advance their evil intentions, that's when it then becomes wrong. For instance, um, if you follow the history of slavery and so forth, there's a gentleman called Willie Lynch. He says, keep them physically fit, but deal with their minds. How do you deal with their minds? He says, instill the fear of God. And now they are taking what was meant for good now they're using it and manipulating it to suit their evil intentions. Now the fear of God is not instilled, it's instilled so that they can be able to be controllable. Because if you do this, then God will punish you. If you don't do this, God will punish you. So immediately you do, you use that and not in its original context and how it was intended for it to be, then it becomes evil. There's no way in the Bible where it says women must be oppressed. If you follow and read the Bible, actually the first witness of Jesus' resurrection were women. 
That means the first people that spoke of his resurrection were women. If you follow the history of women in the Bible, they, when disciples of Jesus have ran away, the only people that stood by him as women. So we, we cannot, if you're a true Christian, shy away from the role that women played, even up to the salvation that we speak about, even up to the cross, because they were the only ones that were on the cross, next to the cross, when all the disciples made ran away. When everyone was in hiding, it was women that wanted the body of Jesus. It was women that went in the morning of, 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 of after the Sabbath and, and wanted to, to prepare the body of Jesus. Yes, the, the guy, the, the Ahmadiyya guy and so forth, but it was women who were forces that, uh, and that who stood against, I mean, these people were, they stood against a man that was, you know, a, supposed to be an outcast, a man that was supposed to be something, a rebel of some sort. And they stood by him. So we cannot shy away from the fact, and if you're a true Christian, we cannot say women are secondary citizens because they are a very crucial part of what we are and who we are as Christians. So the issue of religion, you look at apartheid. Apartheid was, the architects of apartheid, if you go to his library, he studied two things, psychology and theology. We, there's a church that will leave unmentioned for the purposes of, of that you're being live on Facebook that played a, a very crucial role in ensuring that this socially engineered system called apartheid was implemented at church. What they do is that they introduce a theology that will influence how our philosophy and our psychology then put it into laws. And every time they will say is that blacks are less than human beings according to what? The Bible. So the issue of gender-based violence, if you give a, a sick man power, he'll always manipulate culture, he'll always manipulate so that it can suit their evil intentions. Culture in, in its form is not wrong, but it's when we start to introduce these, uh, no, under, these, 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 these things that start to oppress other people that becomes wrong. Are we, a, a, we are an angry society. We are a very violent society. Me and Kay can agree now as men that uh, oppressing of black people is wrong. And Mahlatsu will agree. But me and, uh, and Fairwood can also agree that women are secondary citizens. Why I can be able to agree with Kay and agree with Fairwood is because it suits me. It suits me. It suits me because we are under the same uh, 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 covering with K because we are being violated by a white man. But I can agree with Fairwood because we are now oppressing someone else. So the challenge we have with black men is that we are hypocrites. It's okay for us to speak against apartheid, racism, all the other things, but it's, then when it comes to the oppression of women, we say, no, 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 it's culture. It is a white man's culture that you think that you are less than a human being. You speak against that. But it is now your culture to oppress a woman. It's okay. So those are the, some of the discrepancies that are presented when we do not regulate culture, when we also don't allow culture to evolve. Because the challenge I have with culture personally, the issue of evolving, is that you cannot want to implement the same rules and laws that were, were there in 
hundred years ago in this current state in the social structure has changed completely. So we need to find ways to adapt culture and evolve it so that it can meet the current challenges in the current state that we find ourselves into. There's no, we're no longer in the hunting and gathering state. Uh, women are independent. Women are very, they, everything has evolved. So we need to ensure that our culture evolves and meets and speak to the current uh, issues that we have. The issue of gender-based violence is only when a sick man and I always say when a sick man has reached a point where they cannot reason their way out, they use violence. Thank you. Um, I know Matlatsi and Kay raised their hands. Um, let me start with uh, let me start with Kay, then I'll open for Matlatsi. And I just want to add maybe a dynamic. Where do you think if 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 you don't believe culture or religion or are relatively influencing the way society views women. Where do you think, even if it's not just women, where do you think our society gets this level of violence from? Where does it stem from, in your view? Okay, <clears throat> all right, thanks. Uh, I just wanna propose something to you guys. Um, there's a song that you can listen to since we're all at home on YouTube. It's by Lupe Fiasco, it's called Bad Bitch. And the reason why I want you guys to listen to that song is because it does portray what society is doing right now and how a guy and a woman are going to view two different things at the very same time, but looking at the very same screen. So, yeah, I think let me write it down. So, yeah, Tabang, I hear you. Yes, it's a great song, man. That's the one. I'm glad you listened to it as well. So, yes. Um, anyways, uh, with regards to the violence, guys, you know, even now with the time that I've had and watching, um, especially the daily shows, Trevor Noah, you know, he's expressed that, you know, now that people are together in this lockdown, there's been more violence and more cases, whatever the case may be. Reason being is because now we're being exposed to the people. And I believe it stems from us, when we love a person, we only love them on the surface. So when I say on the surface, it's good and well to chill together and vibe and have a good time. But when the, when the questions start coming in, when the responsibilities of men start coming in, especially if you're in lockdown with, with your partner and they, and they push your buttons, you know, you, and nature comes out. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I've also been in a place where I get angry and I get upset, but obviously I don't have the violent bone in me, obviously because uh, I just don't feel good for eating other people, you know, but other people don't have a limiter. Other people, they feel expressing violence and punching is a way to show that, look, I got this, you know? And that also stems from how guys have been raised, like, hey, man, men don't cry, et cetera, et cetera. But it also, um, how can I put it? The view where a man wants to punch and be physical, it comes from a place because when you're playing with guys, we punch and kick. I don't, I don't see guys hugging each other, holding hands, guys and guys doing that. We don't do that, man, you know? It's not our thing. But with women, you guys have got that more soft, subtle side. That's why women are more you know, are more accommodating. But violence just stems from a place whereby punching and being physical is one thing. Because people can even throw stuff. Not physically hitting a person, but throwing something and throwing a tantrum. It's, it's, it's almost a childish-like behavior. And people normally behave like that if, if they're not uh, in the right state of mind. And the reason why I'm saying that, because I mean, I can punch a wall and I'm angry, but it doesn't mean I'm going to feel better after that. It's just going to have a sore arm or a sore fist, you know? So in terms of the, of the rise of this whole gender-based thing, it's only happening because people are showing their true colors, you know? 
Um, I, 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 I can't speak against them and I can't speak for them. I'm not, I'm not condoning guys to be violent. But if society has portrayed a violent person, you might even find he stand from the grandfather or from the father because they saw the dad slapping someone or they saw the dad being physical. They, you know, even when guys are like, hey, man, let's go to the street. That comes from a place whereby they think violence solves problems. But if they get taught that, look, just speak, say what you have to say, show your point of view, it's enough. That's, then people will look at things differently. But for as long as we believe, let's take it to the streets, yo, man, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a black eye, you, you're bound to incite violence. And remember, even if you listen to the current songs now, um, this guy is thinking about a gun in the pocket, I shoot this nigga, etc., etc. It goes on. It's just societal violence that is okay to portray a man is strong. If, if, if you had to hear a guy running away from a fight, he's a coward. I broke away from fights. I've met guys who beat me up. I'm like, yo, but look, I'm sorry, but shut up. And I'll go. I will save myself the dignity of, of, of getting beaten up. Whereas guys are like, no, let's do this fight. So it's really society. And I don't really think it has to go down with, with, with religion because when you go to church, I don't think anyone teaches you how to fight. You know, so gender-based violence is just stemming from guys being locked up in the house with people they don't want to be locked up with and they're just uncomfortable and there's issues coming out and they're just fighting. I don't think it's anything other than that. I hope that uh, makes sense. Um, Matlati? Okay, thank you guys. Um, so in my opinion about the whole gender-based violence, I just wanted to start it off like this. So there's this... Um, video or interview by Pharrell Williams where he was talking about how we should define our own definition of black. And black shouldn't always be associated with violence and crime and being ignorant and not being educated. We really should go out of our way to define ourselves. And I also came to realize after the, he mentioned that statement, I took time to think about it and realized that it also takes responsibility to be mature enough to understand your strengths and your shortcomings. And it all boils down to the environment that you're raised in. And if you're raised in an environment of love and care and nurture, you will have the ability to be, if you're like a child, if you're going off course, your parents or your family or your foundation will quickly just steer you into the right direction. But for many people, they have to be on their own and they don't have a choice for the luxuries that we have of a great support structure or a great union of, family and love and support, even if we didn't see the definition of what love and care is for a person, or even just seeing someone um, deal with their, their daily issues in a healthy manner, we still are not privy to that. Not all of us are privy to that. So in my opinion, I would say, like I said, mentioned earlier, that I'm a solution-based person. So I like how we're talking there, but I also want us to also come up with really positive, sorry about that, with really practical solutions as to how we can fix it. And I remember with my one ex, I did recommend, after I noticed that he was showing symptoms or possibilities of him being violent, I encouraged him to go for therapy. And um, we broke up, of course. But that he can trust and not bottle things up. And let's see how that goes. And he doesn't shout anymore. We talk, we're not friends, but we, he doesn't shout anymore. He's not as violent and aggressive as he used to be because he has been provided solutions that he was not usually aware of with resolving whatever emotions that he has bottled up over the years. So it's still 
challenging and so sad that so many people are forced to be talked to because they don't know anything else. So many people turn to violence because they don't know anything else. But how do you fix this? That's the conversation that I would rather have as opposed to us beating our chest, standing smart, using all those great terminology. But yet, the root cause is not addressed and the solutions are not being implemented. Okay, I'll leave it at that. Thanks, guys. Cool. Um, Dikateng, I know you raised your hand. Um, maybe also just to add before you an you answer, do you think what what kind of what kind of solutions do you think? Because I'm trying to understand why is it there? It seems there's more issues of violence or anger in South Africa than any other country. I mean, I don't know any other country. All, all I know is South Africa. But is there something inherent, or what what exactly is the issue when it comes to South Africa? with us in particular? Yeah, I don't think it's a South African issue, it's just that it's more prominent here. Um, and it's more, we have like media coverage and we see more cases on a daily basis than we do in any other nation. I don't think it's unique to us. Um, like for instance, in America, they have those vests being called men, like women beaters, because that's like, you know, the view of who is usually cases for men who beat women would wear, right? So it's not, necessarily a South African case only, but it's predominant here, right? And it could be due to a range of factors, right? Could be economical for all we know that, you know, you're frustrated because you can't provide, because you can't find a job, you know, you, you can't meet certain needs because you're just poor and you don't have money. Um, could be that. It could be um, that your confidence, um, you're not confident in yourself and your abilities and you don't see a purpose for your life and that messes you up. Um, it could be, um, like I think I was going to go back um, to what Matatia said way in the beginning and also now is that psychologically, we need to be okay with finding solutions for our mental problems, right? Um, like you said, now that we are in, 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 in lockdown and we are locked in with, with people that we not normally spend eight hours or 24 hours of our time with, we first of all are locked down to to view ourselves and really find out who we are can we be with ourselves um first but then we are set up with the problem of now being with somebody else with their own sense of perhaps they are panicking because of of corona probably they've lost their jobs because of 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 corona now it's it's all conditions bundled up together in in, in a house and it creates this um situation where somebody retaliates via violence, uh, be it um, physically or it, it be emotionally or uh, verbally, right? So because we don't have the tools to um, deal with um, violence, I mean, to deal with our conditions, our mental state, um, the next best thing is to express it physically uh, because we, we haven't learned to take time out uh, we haven't um, learned to say, okay, I really do need my time alone. Can you excuse me for like a couple of hours for me to, you know, just meditate, for instance, because we think it's a, perhaps a white person thing or a female thing for you to meditate. But those are some of the skills that we can actually learn to deal with some of our insecurities or to deal with our anger issues, right? So maybe a practical example, it could be something as simple as talking about your issues. It could stem from perhaps not um, uh, just the relationships that you're in, but perhaps our family dynamics as well, 
or as I said, the fact that you don't have a job and it is is messing you up. And you probably you seen your friends being successful, and you are left with nothing. You are virtually maybe in your thirties. You're like, time is ticking. I haven't had all these things. Those are some of the things that mess people up, and maybe they don't just mess men up, but because they are more probably prone to like physical confrontation, that is their go-to source of like action and reaction. So conditioning as well. Um, so you don't have to be violent for the sake of violent. Um, you can essentially use other tools. And I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what are the broader issues of um, men and what leads them to um, violence. But the fact that you have, men have control. If you're going to beat on a woman, 90% of the time you probably know you will overpower her, right? And that's when you are in control. And perhaps if none of the things in your life are going correctly, then that's one piece of your life that's going correctly where you have control and when you can dominate. And that is your go-to. So the fact that a lot of other things in your life aren't going as well and don't have control over them could be causing you to, um, not you, but they could be causing them to um, essentially lead or essentially go to, to the sake of violence because that's what they can do and that's what they have control over and they know that they can dominate. So it's a range of factors and there's probably not one solution um, to do it, but a practical one I would just have to agree with Mashad is that deal with it psychologically. Let's get to the root of the problem. We can't find a solution for something we don't know. We need a root cause. Why, 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 why is this happening? Is because I don't have money. Why? Because I can't find a job. Why? Because it's a global problem. It's an economic problem because there's corona and our crops are dying, so I can't find a farm to, you know, there's a whole lot of issues, but we need to get to the root cause of the problem before we can come up with solutions. And we are just speculating to say perhaps it's jobs. We don't really know. We would probably need to interview individual men who've killed and who've beaten women to say, what, what, what is your problem? Like what leads you to this? And once you've gotten that, then we can solve each man's or a majority of men's problems with practical solutions for their own different uh, problems. I think that's a beautiful, um, both you and Matlati have given quite, I think, you know, having these kind of conversations, you kind of go in circles when you don't speak about solutions. And I think, it's important that we also start embracing more solutions into the discussion as well. I know K racism. Now, and obviously, due to time, I don't want to stick into one conversation, maybe just to go to the last aspect of our discussion before we run out of time. As you're answering or giving your opinion on the current topic at hand, let me introduce the new this question I want to ask. In the workspace, in the corporate world, or in any corporate setting, or when there's people working, do you think there's an issue whereby, for example, regardless of people's backgrounds, is it a challenge for maybe men to report to women? So women rising up in companies, becoming managers, could, is there a dynamic where there's a challenge of how women are portrayed in the workspace? That, you know, she, you know a man is more logical, there's some things you can hear, or this role is more suited for a man. Do you think those such things are prevalent in our society and do you think if that's the case, why? What is your view? Okay, cool. Um, uh, yeah, I couldn't answer that one first, man. Um, you see, with regards to that, 
um, I, I believe one of the reasons could be is how did she get there? And it also stems from a place whereby if a person of color or a woman comes in a certain position and by the looks of it, how, how did she get there? That is when the dynamics change and that is where the respect would change towards reporting to a woman as a guy. And the reason why it's going to be a case is because that mentality that she probably slept her way to the top. But I mean, if she's got experience, if she's got working, she was a CEO at SESO, CEO at this, and I mean, she's been making results. For me to hate her or dislike her for her job, it's obviously stems from a place whereby I've got inferiority problem against women. And it's a problem that I don't, I don't even have to worry about the corporate situation. It's just a problem that you have. It's your problem. And like my classy and Dikit Singh said, yeah, go, go get help. It's as simple as that. And now to take it back to the, the topic we're speaking about, um, I can give you guys solutions. I mean, uh, the solutions I'll give you women, okay, not women, I cannot say you women, my classy and Dikit Singh, since you're still here. The solution I could give you guys is that speak to the guy and ask the questions. And when I say speak to the guy and ask the questions, ask those things that you are afraid of. So if you think a guy might be violent, he views things wrong, find that out even before you date the person. Find that out even before you engage physically, whatever the case may be. And by you doing that, you're saving yourself the trouble or having to tell the guy, hey man, I'm realizing that you've got this issue, go back or hey, go to psychology. Sometimes you can just figure it out. And it's also a matter of you surrounding yourself um, around people who are like-minded. When I say like-minded, who are avoiding people who are violent, who condone gender-based violence, who are okay with demeaning women and whatnot. That is what right to have, you know? Having a circle of where guys actually appreciate your value, that's the actually where you're supposed to, to, to put yourself. Because it's like expecting to jump in the water and not get wet. When you jump in, you are going to get wet. And when you're getting wet, you get into an environment whereby the society is drowned into being the bad guy. Because remember, guys out there sleeping with 10 different girls are cool now. They've got money. Hey, I've got money. I got a GDI. And I take many girls. And I think, That's cool. You know? So the only solution we can get there is where we get model like people who become popular and have a power. And they show that, hey, guys, staying with one girl is cool. Being faithful is cool. Be, having having a woman that you portray as a queen to your life, who you who you hold level according to your standards, that's a solution. But for as long as you are going to date that guy who tells you to sack or whatever the case may be, and you already hear that, and you're still with him, already you you're just ignoring the the, the red sign of look, this guy does not respect you. So the solution to that is ask questions, figure out where you're going. Ask the person who wants the same thing that you want. If they don't, just save yourself the trouble because not everyone is good. Like, I mean, you, you ladies are nice. Dikke Teng and, and, and Maklasi, you guys seem to be well-respected and decent women. But when I go out there, I am going to meet a bad bitch. I am going to meet a woman who is like, dude, take off your pants. I want money. Let's do something. There are some women out there. So I can't now say, how, how, how? This is not right. No, that's the world we're living in. So the solution to this is try your best. And my first made something very important. Let's not be bystanders. If you see something is not going right, speak it out. Say, hey, look, man, what you're doing is wrong. If the person ignores you and chooses to do the wrong thing, clearly they're showing you where the level or mindset is. And your responsibility as an adult, you know, is to be like, look, man, I can't associate with this. That is why if I have to have friends, 
my friends don't drink. Look at Brian and Pete. They don't drink. That's the type of friends I chew with because that's the type of circle I want to grow in. So if you want to grow in the right place, just be around like-minded people and like-minded guys. I think that's the solution. Um, I know Lungile, Matlazi, and Diketeng raised their hands. Um, just to <laughs> give, I think, I think in context of what the discussion was about solutions, I think I, I agree and agree in the sense of whereby um, all parties can definitely agree where a man, must, a woman must ask a man or like, what you said in terms of solutions. But I think there's also a dynamic where people, women can walk out outside and still get raped by someone who's a complete stranger. And in those kind of settings, it becomes hard to kind of provide solutions in that same regard where you can ask them a question because you're not afforded the opportunity to ask someone a question. And that becomes one of the inherent problems that we have in society. But I know Matla Lungile and Diketeng wanted to speak. So let me give um, Lungile first and then I'll give Matla and Diketeng afterwards. Hi, Peter. It must be ladies first. Can we? My apologies. Let, let, me, let me give my class the floor then. Sorry, guys. Why, why is it ladies first? Sorry, sorry. For, why, why is it ladies first? Why can't guys go first? <laughs> I want to now know because can you see already now you're discriminating against me. No, against a, a, remember, I am the one that said I would prefer that the ladies be the one that go first because it's a sign of courtesy. I want to treat them as queens that they are because I want them to treat me as a king that I am. So it's something because I've seen this thing and I've tried it before. In a formal work context, I'll call people by their uh, mister. They'll call me Mr. Peck. The next thing I'll come back and call you a uh, uh, Silungil and they'll call me Lungile Peck. So you, you teach people how they must behave around you and treat you. So by sending it to them so that they can send it back to you. So I want, the reason why I said ladies first, because first I want to acknowledge them as ladies. Two, I want to acknowledge them that they are able to express themselves even before me. Because society has taught them that they cannot express themselves before a man. And when I said that, the first thing that happens in their culture is that they start behaving like ladies. It starts to then believe in themselves, and that's what we need to do. And that's what that's part of the solutions that we need to implement is to say, men must understand that women needed to be treated right for them to treat us right. The problem we have is that I want to show that I can do it more than no. Can my two beautiful ladies start first, and then I will fall after them. Amen. Respect. No, I hear. I, I just reason why I said that is because. <laughs> I just no, I hear you, man. Go well answer, man. Sure. Yeah, um, okay, so, can I start? Let me rather give tickets saying first because she has to leave in 15 minutes. But thanks, Kate. No speak for no reason. Thanks, Kate. No problem. Uh, thank you for the respect, Lungile. Thank you, Matlati, for giving me the time to speak. Um, yeah, so going back to, to the problem uh, or the note that uh, Kay mentioned um, that the first thing that comes to mind is how did she get there uh, when we speak about going back to the original question about how um, a woman like the dynamics the power dynamics in like in a workplace or in a corporate setting that why is it that our first thought is to question how a woman got to a certain point like but we never question how a man got there 
right? And I think it will take us back to the conditions back in the days, how it has always sort of been like a men's world. Corporate world has been a men's world, like a power struggle to get to the top, right? But now because we are trying to level the playing field and women can be bosses as well, because to some men who either are insecure or are still conditioned to think that men should be obtaining or should be having certain positions as opposed to, to women, those type of men will be the ones to question a woman's um, abilities and question whether she has slept her way into, into this position without first thinking, okay, is this person qualified regardless of their gender, right? Um, and also it's not our position or it's not our, in ours to, to question people's conditions. We didn't put people in places, um, but we, sh we should just focus on what we can do and how we get to certain places. But if you feel you are being discriminated against because either of your gender um, or, or, or your race, then, then you, you, you can question the dynamics of the company. Right? But women shouldn't be questioned on their positions because they are women. Um, and it's frustrating to think that that's the first thing that comes to a man's mind or most men's mind when a woman is obtaining a top position. And in a corporate setting, we still have inequality in positions women have. It's in very few companies where women are in CEO positions to such a degree that when it happens, it becomes a big deal. Like, uh, say, upsize is first CEO who's female, right? The fact that we still have those type of things as being um, headliners shows that there's a problem. It should, she should, it should just congratulate the fact that she's a CEO, regardless of the fact that she's a woman, right? So it shows just how far we still need to go um, for us to be in a condition where mentally a person can be whatever they want, regardless of the agenda, right? But there's still a long way for us to get there. Um, and one of the ways I feel like we can get there now where women can obtain higher positions is for conditions, just like, I'm not going to say we should do it, but the same way that um, employment equity, or I always forget the name, where um, black people are put in, in, in positions, it's not because they're unqualified and you're just, you're just putting them there for the sake of putting them there and being politically correct. But understanding that these are previously disadvantaged people. The system was never for them, right? So now because men are 15 steps ahead, you need to put in a woman in a position that at least they are 14 steps and then they can work their way to, to the 15 steps and then they can be in a plain level field, right? But in a corporate setting, I see it, I've seen it, I continue to see it, that there are power dynamics, Women still struggle. It's still a struggle to get women into positions. Um, and not because there are not, say, women engineers or to say there are no women lawyers, but because society still questions when a woman gets to that position um, to say, how did she even get there? And for some women who are not confident to say, doesn't matter how you feel, I'm going to get to that position. It doesn't matter, but there are some women because of those conditions and how we've been raised up to, to question themselves and back down and not want to apply for those jobs or not want to start their own successful businesses because of being questioned uh, of how they got to certain positions. So we still need to run over that effect and still um, condition ourselves. Also as women, 
uh, you'll find that women still ask questions. How did she get there? She, did she sleep her way to the top? So it's not just a men problem in this situation, but it's a society problem to say, we should give people who are deserving, regardless of a race of, or gender. But because the, the system has disadvantaged a lot of those um, groups, women and race, they should be given platforms to succeed and to get to those playing fields of being successful in the corporate sector and in big businesses. Um, thanks for, <clears throat> thanks for, your, for your, quite, your answer. I know Matlazi wants to go next. Um, for your answer, obviously, I want to ask you, Matlazi, considering our conversation, if let's say you were to apply for a job and you've probably experienced historically that maybe as a woman you've been discriminated on and maybe you've been declined certain jobs, if you have the option, would you not place your gender or your, your race on your CV or on an application form? If you have the choice, considering possible discrimination, if you have the choice, would you? But that's plus the conversation that we're having. Okay, thanks for that question. So, okay, if you asked me this question last year before December, I would have had a different answer. But now that I'm in the space that I am, I have a completely um, different um, objective. And my objective with that is that. Mm, I don't believe my race or my gender is a hindrance. I just think that uh, I was not given the grooming that happens in the background for me to be successful at corporate. Because corporate is not just coming into the office and doing your job well. It's the networking, it's the <clears throat> dressing up well, not, but not too good to be better than your boss. It's, it's all these other little dynamics that no mentor can show you. It, you can only find it in a book, in a very good so the reason why I say this, there's this book called Outliers. I really enjoyed it thoroughly. And it speaks about the history and the success of Bill Gates besides everybody just telling you, go study the book, yeah, Bill Gates, if you want to be a billionaire. No, it tells you about the foundations that were laid for him and how he was continuously involved in an environment of success. So I then took it upon myself to empower myself in the same light and equip myself with the right tools for me to be successful in corporate. I must admit, being a female in corporate is a challenge because you have the type of body that you have that does not allow you to wear the type of clothes that another person of another race with a different body shape will look within. It, it, it automatically looks sexualized. If it's wearing a nice tight body dress, it, it's automatically sexualized because now your ass is out and it's pouting and all this and all of that, it's a problem. All because of the work environment does not allow you to just waste bag, for example. I'm just giving an example. So I find it extremely challenging, even just, even just the dressing part. Then you come now to having to have people be juniors and respect the female boss. What I notice is that it becomes a problem when you as a female boss don't already like get the tone as you. This is how are you going to respect me? This is the situation. I'm not here to love with you. Because the minute you become friendly, people take you for granted. The minute you dress too well, everybody goes out of their way to prove, okay, dress too well in an environment where it's that traditional corporate of where you wear just black and navy blue and a shirt and a pencil skirt. Colors, yeah, you can go buy your colored outfits, but they're not really encouraged at the office. You understand what I mean? You stand out like a sore thumb. You do. So now you 
buy those clothes you can't dress the way you want to because you don't want to be shunned on you want to be included but the minute you start being yourself and expressing yourself everybody goes out of their way to prove and question your intelligence and the uphill battle to then prove your worth is far greater than just deciding to wear your foundation the way you are comfortable to do that if i make sense so I find corporate as a female is challenging because the layers are many and you can never ever say that you understood them fully. And then you're still gonna have the guys that uh, will offer you positions on condition that you do something else. That comes naturally, but like I keep reiterating to you all, everybody has a choice. You make your choices daily as to how, I, how are you going to invest into your career? That's the easy, easy way out. But it, even that has no guarantee that it will be to my benefit at the end of the day. So it, it's a complex, exhausting environment to be in. I won't lie to you. Like you can never ever crack it. But when you do, you crack it really well. But that's after you have literally gotten rid of everything that you've been able to identify with yourself and adopted this new persona just so that you can survive the work environment. I'll leave it at that. Lungile, and then I think we can maybe ask Kay and Brian to give the last few sets of opinions and we can try to wrap it up. Thank you very much. Uh, I think starting from the solution part of things is that we need more of these so that we can start to highlight all these things that we think are acceptable because we've seen them being done or we they've been part of our culture and then we start to you know start to challenge our thinking paradigms to so that we start to expose these toxic uh, behaviors that we have normalized as society and as, as, as human beings. So we need to move this so that we start to understand other people's perspective and, and also try to speak more. I think the best way is for us to speak more so that people can see the, the mess that we are in and so that we can then start to find solutions. Female bosses in, on, in corporate. I, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a it's a very interesting dynamic. Is that it's easy for us to question a black male, a young black male who's in position of power. The same way we'll question a female, female black young woman who's in position of power. And the first thing we always come to is that she slept her way up there. And forget about her quality, her ability, her qualifications and all those things. It, I think it's something that we need to deal with as human beings and as, as a society. Every time when someone who we assume is supposed to be less than us ascend a position, we start to question. Immediately, if you can pick that, that you have a problem with either a man a black man ascending to a position of power or a female ascending, you must know that you have a problem. And that problem you might have not dealt with it, but you have a problem because it cannot be that it's an issue of gender. It cannot be that it's an issue of ethnicity, that you, because of your black, because you are female, then we question you being in a position of power. It should be that we question your abilities as a human being. It should be that you question your qualification as a human being other than the, the other ones, because it's easy for, for a white man, you always say a black man can never lead. 
For a black man, I would say a female can never lead. So it's easy for me to start to look at this thing, to discriminate another person so that I can feel better about myself. So for me, I have a privilege of having a female bosses which were very competent. And the nice part I loved about them is that from time to time, they'll bring that motherly aspect into their, you know, they will understand better. For me, that's my experience with them. They were more understanding than men. And because of their understanding, that means they'll have to bring that emotional side of things. So it, it became, a, sometimes they'll be too emotional and to my benefit and sometimes be too emotional. And I've seen that also with men. I've worked with the most incompetent men in my whole entire life. And it, 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 it had nothing to do with them being male. And by the way, some of them were even white. So the issue of competence, it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with gender. It's an inherent thing that someone needs to work with. If you take a fish and make it to, to, to run a marathon, it will, not, it, will, it will fail. But if you put it in the water, it will. So if we get the right people with the right skills in the right positions, either male or female, it's not relevant. Because I believe females are more capable and they're, they're, they're also capable. Men are also capable. Black men are also capable. So it's an issue that we need to deal with. It's those things that uh, uh, it's easier for us if we discriminate the other one, but we do not want to be discriminated against. As a black young man, I find it very hard to lead because I know that there are other people that do not believe that I can lead. For a black female, it's worse because even the black men do not believe in them. So for me, the only thing I can say is that, Peter, we need, thank you very much for this opportunity. We need more of these things because I have learned a lot. There are things that I thought I understood, but I did not understand. But now I understand them better. So I'll have to go and self-introspect and see how I can better myself and how can I also ensure that I better the people that are around. And, um, it's until we speak about things, until we highlight wrongdoings in our society, uh, that's the only time we'll be able to get it right. So thank you very much, uh, ladies and gents, for this opportunity. I also need to leave. I'm actually a minute late from my other engagement. Thank you. Thanks, Nomile. I um, really appreciate um, We'll definitely have more conversation. I mean, we previously had planned to invite a lawyer to discuss the issue of GBV and also a social worker, but I think we can still proceed in finding more other ways of having those kind of conversations. Uh, but I will communicate should those proceed. Um, Brian, okay, in close off. Cool. So what I can add on to this, right? So basically based on all your points and opinions, it is clear that there's a bit of change that needs to happen. Not actually a bit of change, there's a major change that actually has to happen. In terms of the male side, we have to change in terms of being role models to those who are younger than us, to show them guys. Even though if you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. What matters is what exactly the person can do. We should be based on our skills and ability to actually do something, not on our gender, not on our looks, not on our color. That does not matter in this regard. It's only based on what actually we can do ourselves. A woman has a degree, a guy has a degree. If you have a degree and you can do the same job, why is it that hard now for a guy to take a woman as a boss? It shouldn't be hard. I've had the opportunity to actually have two types of bosses, a male boss and a female boss, a white one and a black one. So I've been able to see like the differences in both. As Lungria said earlier on, 
a female boss is caring and you see that she's motherly and so on in terms of certain regards, right? But she's also firm as well. So it shows like there's no incompetence or anything. It's just a different aspect what she brings in order to the work for the workplace itself, right? So you don't actually have to see like, okay, now you're a woman, I can't really follow you and so on. That shouldn't happen. So in order to try and like solve this stuff, again, as I said, you have to try and be a role model. If you have friends who act a bit weird and so on, or don't respect women, try and go like, hey, dude, this isn't right. Try and actually be the bigger man as such, but try to be that good friend who actually tries and suggests to the guy like, dude, this isn't right. We should change our ways. We should actually try and be better. That's one way of going about it. We can't change everyone's opinions. That's true, but we can try at least to see how far we can go and what type of influence we have on those type of people. Secondly, in regards to that, I can also add like, if you have bad influences in your life and you see that whatever you're trying to tell them is not really working out as such, I know it seems hard, but you're gonna have to like move away from that because it's toxic, it's poisonous relationship. You're not benefiting anything from that. All you're just getting is negativity. And that negativity is always going to rub off on you at a certain point. Okay. Uh, then we can close off after you. Okay. Um, I want to start off by saying you can follow me on Instagram. My name, my <laughs> handle is... <laughs> I'm just joking, guys. Okay. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, this is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, all I can say everything we're speaking about is really uh, some of our experiences that we've gone through in life. Um, I'm in the construction industry. There's hardly any women there. Well, there are, you know, obviously in architectural perspective, but in the construction industry, it's just it's mostly men and testosterone, et cetera, et cetera. And you can live with it. But in a corporate society, it's going to be different. And I don't really have much experience in that. But from watching TV shows by... By, by hearing documentaries, you know, especially with this O.J. Simpson's trial, how that woman was always getting ridiculed as being a woman in power because she didn't dress with a short skirt or, you know, it's just, she really got picked off because she was a woman. So I kind of get exposed to that by seeing it, you know, and probably hearing it from a friend or two, whereby this lady now became a boss of some sort because of one, two, and three. But at the end of the day, everyone is capable in their own, in their own right. You know, if a woman can do that, then let her do that. You know, if a man is going to do the job, let her do the job, you know. So if you had to put soccer, you know, for example, as, as a male soccer team and a female soccer team, we already know the male soccer team is going to be more because they go through more rigorous training. They go through different types of, as opposed to a woman. And when a woman coaches another woman, you'd see it's just a different environment already. So um, honestly speaking, it's just a sum of experiences. Um, I think the best way forward for all of us is to just not be a bystander and at least try and influence maybe two or three people around us, you know, and I think that will come from just the way we conduct ourselves and how we behave because not all of us are going to get exposed to the drinking situation or whatever the case may be. We're going to be exposed to different kinds of discrimination and gender-based violence because I also get, I also get abused emotionally and whatnot, but it still does not change the fact that I'm a man and she's a woman and I must conduct myself as a man and respect as a woman. It, it, it mustn't change, regardless of how I get the negative energy back, whatever the case may be. And yeah, just to sum it up, follow me on Instagram again, you know, but yeah, that's, that's what I have to say. Um, thanks, guys. Um, I'm more than grateful for all of you participating in the conversation. Um, I think most of us have, can all agree that we've learned something or at least 
seeing different perspectives because I think the, the goal is not to just have all your close friends in one Zoom discussion and then you all already know, I already know what maybe some person has a view on a particular issue, but also to have see the views of people who are not in your immediate circle, people you've never seen before and get their perspectives. And I think that's kind of the reason why we continue to have these kind of conversations outside of our immediate circles. Um, initially, I mean, initially there was a plan to have more, I was gonna have more legal experts to participate in the conversation, but I was a bit scared that having more professional people in this kind of space kind of intimidates more people to participate because you feel like, hey, I don't know, let me just shut up and let me just watch someone more professional speak, which kind of defeats the cause of having a discussion. But I think obviously there still is room for us to have more legal people or experts in these kind of topics. I mean, one of the other discussions we were planning to have was one relating to corporate. And I mean, deliberately, all you find all the people that participated here work in some kind of a corporate or a formal job in some setting. So at least I found that at least all of us have that in common plus the fact that we're all black. But I think we can continue to have more discussions relating to this and also other dynamics that impact all of us. Um, I must just say apologies to, on behalf of Portia, June, uh, Bethel, Nobutle, and Cindy, and Tebuho and Tafato for not joining us today. So it's about seven people who couldn't join us today um, due to whatever reasons. But they will join us next week. That's what they say. That's if you guys are still going to be there. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm not sure if we can, we'll see what happens then. But anyway, I just want to say thank you guys again for joining us. Um, Hopefully we have more discussions. Thank you for all your views and so forth. I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Okay. Yeah, Peter. I'm not done. Hey, hey whoa, whoa, wait, come back. Ah, wait, wait, come back, come back, come back. Anyways, on a serious note, Peter, I think we also need to um, speak about relationships. Reason being, I think a lot of people get affected in a relationship and they take it outside to other people. And then they will generalize from an individual say, oh, black men are difficult because they dated a difficult person. So I really think, you know, throwing that in as well, because it also stems from how gender-based violence can also be controlled, because that's where relationships start. Gender-based violence also starts from relationships. And then from the woman accepting that type of behavior from that man, that man is going to go out and continue that cycle. There has to be someone who's going to stop him. And then as it continues to the next woman, he knows, hey, I lost my woman because of this. Let me control myself and let me not behave like that. I don't know if that makes sense, but I do believe that uh, also has an input. Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, I think we'll definitely have that to be discussed um, in our next discussion, um, depending on the nature of the topic. Uh, but let me not take any more questions. Guys, for joining me. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend and I will communicate should there be any more discussion if you want to join us. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. This was fun. Okay, bye. Thanks again for the session. Enjoy your weekend, guys. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Peter, you're still here? Yeah, I'm still here.